Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. As a result of this disaster, lives have been lost. Businesses have been decimated. Communities that had already known great hardship now face the specter of sudden and painful economic dislocations. Untold damage is being done to the environment, damage that could last for decades. That was Barack Obama talking yesterday about the ongoing disaster that is the BP oil spill. That's a spill that's being talked about as the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history. We'll be talking about the cleanup of that spill, uh, along with the UN discussions on climate change that are going on this week in this week's Energy Weekly. With me, Fiona Harvey, I'm the environment correspondent here at the FT. Ed Crooks, your usual host, is in Houston as we speak. He's there getting a closer look at the BP oil spill and talking to oil industry executives. I'm joined this week by Javier Blas, who's our commodities correspondent. Hi. So let's start with BP. Javier, it's been another disastrous week. Horrible, horrible week for BP. Everything that the company has tried so far to stop the leak has failed. The latest attempt was the top kill and the junk shot, trying to pull mud and other debris into the world, fail. And that is beginning to show up on BP share price here in London, where uh, we have a drop in one day of 13%. That's the worst one-day drop for BP in, uh, since 1992. And investors are beginning to be concerned about what is the future of the company alongside what is the future of the Gulf of Mexico oil industry in general. There is also news today of a, a criminal investigation that's been started into the oil spill, into BP's activities. That's going to depress share prices further, surely? Again, share prices of BP are down. We have a criminal investigation starting in the U.S. Uh, there are other investigations from different regulatory bodies in the U.S. looking at BP in general business and what happened exactly on the horizon deep water drilling rig. Uh, so the problems are mounting for BP and is also the bill for cleaning up. So far, BP has expended almost a billion dollars on the cleaning operation, but that's just going to be a tiny part of what probably the bill is going to be at the end of the day. When the disaster started, it was analysts thought that the company worst case scenario was to pay about $10 billion. Now there are some analysts that they're beginning to mention multiples of that number with the latest forecast being closer to $20 billion right now. And that is obviously one of the reasons why BP share price is tanking and also why some voices are beginning to be emerging about the future of the leadership of the company. That's right. We have Tony Hayward, the uh, chief executive of BP, coming under tremendous pressure at the moment. Well, the first thing to say is we're sorry. And, you know, we're, there's no one who wants this thing over more than I do. You know, I'd like my life back. The ultimate solution is a relief flow, which is uh, in August. So we have to be in a mindset of containment in the subsea, containment on the surface, and defending the shoreline in a very aggressive way over the next couple of months. 
Well, that's pretty disastrous if this goes on till August. You've been looking at another disaster in the Gulf of Mexico that happened about 30 years ago. Exactly, and, and the most striking uh, is that if you look at both incidents, the Macondo with BP and what happened in 1979 with Eastock, a well that it was drilled by Petróleos Mexicanos, by Pemex, the Mexican oil company, and, and it is almost exactly the same problem. There are differences. Uh, the well in Mexico was a, a, a lot shallower than the, than the well with BP. But at the end of the day, the technology has also improved over the last 30 years. So what uh, petroleum engineers are telling me is that both incidents are very, very similar. And the lessons from the incident 30 years ago are rather somber because it tells you that oil companies struggle with this kind of incidents. And at the end of the day, the only solution, the only real solution is to drill a relief well, and that's going to take months. In the case of Eastock, the spill was huge. It is the largest accidental spill in history uh, with 3.3 million barrels of oil. And also, the well was gushing oil and gas for 9 months and 22 days. Let's hope that the situation in BP is shorter, but this is a, a lesson that the spill could go for really, really long time. I mean, uh, some some petroleum engineers are beginning to question whether BP can just shut down the spill before the end of the summer. This could get even worse, couldn't it, uh, if we get a very active hurricane season? We talked about this in last week's podcast. Some experts are forecasting that this year will be uh, an even more active season than 2005, which, of course, was the year when we had uh, the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. Indeed, Fiona, uh, the, the forecast, the official forecast by the Weather Service in the United States is calling for a very active hurricane season, probably one of the worst on record. Uh, that means disruption. It doesn't mean that the efforts will be a stop. It will be just temporarily stopovers uh, while the hurricanes range uh, through the, the Gulf of Mexico. But obviously, for each hurricane that approaches the area, BP will need to evacuate everyone from the area. They will need to use helicopters. They will need to move some of the ships out of the, of the area and then come back in. Usually, it takes between two, three, four days. Uh, usually, there is not lasting damage on the ships or the, uh, or the drilling platforms, but worst case scenario is that they could suffer some damage and then they will need more time to recover and so on. So yes, that's another difficulty that is going to be coming on. However, the peak of the hurricane season is in September. So if BP managed to hit the wells with the relief wells by early August, as BP leadership is hoping, uh, then it should potentially avoid the worst of the hurricane season. Okay, that's well, that could be good news if, if they do manage to, to hit that deadline. Also, just looking back at the previous spill 30 years ago, there was an inkling of good news there as well, wasn't there, in the way that the Gulf of Mexico managed to recover the ecology of the Gulf, recovered from that oil spill. Can you just tell us about that? I have been reviewing uh, the, the, the reports by, uh, at, the, at the time done by the uh, Mexican government and, and Pemex. And the first caution we have to say here is there are reports of almost 30 years ago that the understanding, the scientific understanding of ecology was different than this is today. And also were reports that they were uh, paid by Pemex and the Mexican government, so we don't, we are not sure about their independency. But said that, the picture that emerged is quite encouraging, uh, and this is because the spill is offshore, several kilometers away from the coast, and that just gives the oil time to mix with the seawater and, and break down. 
Also, the Gulf of Mexico is very different to other areas where we have oil spills. I'm thinking of Alaska. There are hot waters uh, that helps just uh, breaking down the oil. Some of the oil evaporates, and the other it just breaks down into the water. And what these reports uh, realize is that although it was a loss of fishing uh, during immediately after the spill, the population recovered very, very quick over the next two years. And indeed, a lot of the oil that arrived into the beaches in Mexico or Texas was rather innocuous, that's the word that one of the reports used, because the oil has spent so many days on the water and has been braved by, by the by the raw seas that by the time that it was arriving to, to the beaches, it was all but crude oil. Well, there could be a glimmer of hope there if this oil spill follows the pattern of the last one and if BP can manage to keep to its timescales. Thank you very much, Javier. The BP oil spill has really concentrated people's minds uh, in the US and around the world on the environmental dangers of seeking after more and more oil reserves. And really, we have seen a bit of a resurgence in the US of interest in environmental themes. Meanwhile, uh, in Europe, the United Nations is gathering governments again to talk about climate change. And that, of course, has been an issue that's got rather lost in the last few months. But the United Nations is hoping to regroup after the tribulations Copenhagen last year and refocus minds on what needs to be done to forge a new treaty on climate change. What happened in Copenhagen uh, was not good news all round. The world failed to come to an agreement on tackling greenhouse gas emissions. But on the other hand, there was a, an outcome uh, which uh, the United Nations is hoping to build upon. What happened was that developed and developing countries, for the first time, decided that they would curb greenhouse gas emissions. Now, all of the world's major economies are now committed to curbs in their greenhouse gas emissions. In the cases of developed countries, that means an absolute reduction in emissions before 2020. And in the case of developing countries, it means simply reducing the growth of their greenhouse gas emissions and causing them to peak. Now, that outcome has been much argued over in the intervening six months. But what's happening this week in Bonn is that the talks are resuming. So we have officials from governments all around the world gathered in Germany to talk for two weeks about how they can try to forge a new treaty that would take over from the Kyoto Protocol, the main provisions of which expire in 2012. So far, the talks haven't been going very well. There hasn't been much progress, and there are signs that the talks are still going to be bogged down in all of the issues that caused the rather dreary outcome at Copenhagen. But there's still a week and a half of negotiations to go, and the United Nations is hoping to keep things back on track. One possible good sign is the reception towards the new UN chief on this issue, Christiana Figueres. But the big questions remain. Chief among them is financing. The question is, how can developed countries, in the midst of a recession, pledge to help developing countries to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions? The two weeks of talks in Bonn are not going to come up with an actual resolution. This is just another staging post on the long, long road uh, to a final treaty. In next week's podcast, we will bring you updates from those talks. All that's left for me this week is to thank my guests, Javier Blas, and to thank you for listening. Energy Weekly was produced by LJ Filotrani. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.